Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. This sermon features high school pastor Tyler Riley, and it was recorded on Mission Sendoff Sunday, May 23rd. After the sermon, we commissioned over 200 students and leaders to go on over 20 mission journeys this summer. We invite you to join us live every Sunday at 9 and 11 on faithbridge.org live. And if you live nearby, we'd love to see you on campus. Here's Tyler. Welcome, good morning, welcome to Faith Bridge this Sunday. It's a very big Sunday for us. Today we are sending um, and commissioning to send uh, many students who are gonna be going out this summer with our mission sending program, The Road, uh, and they are here, over here, and over there. There we go, they're in the gray shirts this morning, and we are very, very excited for them, and we are very, very excited for what the Lord is gonna do through them, and we're gonna commission them at the end of the service. But before we do that, we're gonna be in Psalm 23, so you can go ahead and turn there if you've got your Bibles this morning. Um, And I'll also, while you're doing that, go ahead and echo my excitement as well in my, I guess, motivation and encouragement from the ministry fair that we had last Sunday out in the tent. It was incredible. There was just such an energy, uh, such a, a, a buzz and excitement that I feel like I haven't gotten a feel in a while, and it was just good for my soul. Yeah, I even had one encounter uh, with a guy who was here at last service who just came up to me. I'm just running this spinning wheel and giving out free candy and stuff, and, and this guy just comes up to me and he's like, hey, uh, what's that, that thing where you, you start with sixth graders in small groups and you move all the way up with them until they graduate? Uh, let's do that, sign me up for that. And I was just like, are you, are you sure? It, like, it, it was incredible, like it, it really, really was. It was just this, this overall excitement and, and, and I, was, I was really myself motivated by it. But here's the reality. We're not always gonna have that motivation. We're not always gonna have that same energy when it comes to taking steps in our life, especially spiritually. And we're gonna look at something this morning that we can easily find ourselves in. And it doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter what season you're in, There's something out there that can so easily trap us. And so we're gonna spend some time looking at that this morning. But before we do that, I do want us to read uh, where we're gonna be this morning, and that is Psalm 23. This is probably my favorite psalm in scripture because I find myself coming back to it uh, in different seasons throughout my life. It's also known as the Lord is my shepherd psalm, or David's psalm, and that's incredibly important, and that's incredibly important because that is the power of the context of this word. Because this was written by the same David who would slay the giant Goliath. This is also written by the same David who would one day become king of Israel, but this is the same David who would start it all as a shepherd. That was his craft. That's what he knew. And so as he's, he's writing these words, it's very powerful because what he's doing is he is, he's connecting to what he did and what he does and what he knows to who God is to us. There's great power behind it. And I want us to, to start by reading that together. So Psalm 23, it says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So those of us who are here this morning, those of us who are watching from online, those of us who are over in our chapel as well, uh, let's spend some time in prayer before we dig into this this morning. Um, God, we thank you for your words. And, and, and scripture is just that. This Bible is just that. It is your words to us. And so I believe firmly that you have something for us this morning from your words. So God, we thank you that first and foremost, you're a God that has given us life. I pray that we truly would, would learn to walk in that life. And I, pr I, I, I pray that we would truly learn what it means to take steps when it comes to relationship with you and relationship with others. God, you're good and we pray all this in your name, amen. Well, I would say that there have been some great ideas that have taken place over the course of history. Sending man to the moon in a rocket ship, the individual waffle maker, H-E-B curbside pickup, can I get an amen this morning? There have also been some not great ideas and I don't want to talk down on those ideas because I don't want to talk down on whoever gave the ideas except for one and that is an idea that my middle school in Baytown, Texas had one time. And after just many failed attempts to raise money for this organization called Crime Stoppers, which was literally a hotline that you could call to rat on your friends and they would pay you money. And for some reason, students weren't giving toward it. And, and so they had tried over and over again and then they had this great idea, which ended up being not a great idea. And hopefully you'll see why it wasn't a great idea. But they decided to enroll this great new venture called Jail a Friend. Do you see it? Are we trekking this morning? Jail a Friend, where you could pay money to literally put your friend in jail. And it wasn't actual jail. It was a, it was a, a PVC pipe made jail, which is just for some reason just worse. And they would even have like a police officer that would stand out front of this jail. It's in the common area. And as kids are going to class back and forth, just chilling in jail because somebody paid money to put you in there. And I was like, this is, a, this is the worst idea. This is never gonna work. I thought it was the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life until whoever it was paid to have me put in jail for three and a half hours. And I have never known who it was, except for probably realizing maybe it was my teachers. Could have been, could have been. You were thinking it, it probably was. 
But I'm in jail for three and a half hours and the whole time, first off, the cop like lets me in, he opens the door, I walk in and I kid you not, there are kids like pacing around the back and just like running their hands like along the bars of it. Some are just like sitting down on the ground and just kind of hitting their heads against it. It was, it was the worst. And I remember just being like, this is cruel. They can't do this to us. They can't, this is, they cannot do this to us. And I knew that my mom wasn't gonna care. I wasn't gonna tell her. She was probably gonna try it at home. I just was like, we can't, this can't happen. They can't do this to us. I'm trying everything. I even start to talk to the police officer a little bit. And I'm like, I tried a strategy that my friends at the other middle school had used, which is, I was just like, hey, do you know who my dad is? He's like, no, I don't know who your dad is. Like, who's your dad? And I was like, all right, immediately called my bluff. He works at the Home Depot. I have nothing. I, I didn't have a plan. But then I start to realize all of these science classes, they start to click a little bit. And I realize this thing is made of plastic. Joke's on you. Because I realize I try to move it a little bit and sure enough, it comes up off the ground slightly. And I start to gather those who are around me and I say, I think we can bring this thing down. And they're like, Tyler, you've got to chill. It's been 17 minutes. But I'm like, no, seriously, like, come on. And we start, we start shaking the, the jail. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Even just saying that, well, this is a terrible idea. We start shaking the jail and some of the, some of the pipes actually are falling off of the joints. It's like happening. The cop doesn't care, but it's happening and we're having a moment. And then all of a sudden we realize we could just throw this thing off and we all disperse and scatter. And you may laugh, that is probably one of the most tangible moments of freedom that I've ever felt in my entire life. As I'm running down the hallways and just like, we're free. And sure, we just ran and, and went back to class, but for the moments before that, where I'm going down the hallway, I'm like, nothing can stop me in this moment. It was just this weight, uh, this weight off my shoulders, off my chest, incredible feeling, incredible moment. And sure, that's a funny situation. It's a funny encounter. It's a terrible idea, but it's funny. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I want us to understand this morning because it's, it's crucial. We can find ourselves in an invisible cage, in an invisible trap without us even realizing it. Because you see, as much as, much as there's good motivation and just this energy and this excitement moving around, there's also a silent threat moving around. And it's called spiritual complacency. Spiritual complacency, the complete lack of movement, of growth spiritually. Over contentment in that comfort. The complete lack of motivation, the complete lack of desire to do the hard thing. And what I want us to understand this morning is that it does not matter who you are, it does not matter what season you're in, you can so easily find yourself in a season of spiritual complacency, of no growth and being totally okay with it, of complete disconnection and being totally okay with it. I can just as easily find myself in that. I call it my spiritual cruise control leaning. 
Now, why do I clarify that as spiritual complacency? Well, because the dangerous thing is, and the sobering truth, is that you can be flowing and growing and thriving in every aspect of your life and be completely draining away spiritually. That's the danger. And so for us, what I, I, what I want us to do this morning is whether you would admit, hey, I, I would say that I'm in that kind of, that cage of spiritual complacency, or whether for you, maybe even you're wondering, even if you don't fall in those categories, you could just as easily find yourself in that. What I want us to do is I want us to look and to analyze two areas, because I believe that every believer who would admittedly say that they are in a, a, this cage of spiritual complacency should look to analyze this two, these two areas of their life, and that's what we're gonna look at this morning from this passage. The first is this. Do you have a closeness to the shepherd? A closeness to the shepherd. In verse one, says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right there, you can stop, because here's what I'll say. Have you ever thought about that word, my? I think we can read this passage over and over again and say, yeah, sure, the Lord is a shepherd. Is he yours? Because certainly, we belong to a flock. We're meant to do life with people, but there is an individual and a personal connection to the shepherd, do you have that? Are you making steps to move closer to the shepherd? And one of the biggest ways we move closer to the shepherd is by moving closer to his words. We also see in the following verse, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Have you ever thought that's an interesting phrasing there? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes we can read that and immediately go to an instance of, uh, of just, hey, this, this time where the Lord really forced me to rest. And that's great, but there's something deeper that's happening here because remember, we're talking about David who was a shepherd. There's actually reasons why sheep will not lay down. They will remain standing for certain reasons. Some of those reasons are fear. If they have a feeling of fear, they will not lie down. If they don't know that they're protected, they will not lie down. Another reason is conflict. Sheep actually have conflict with one another. They'll remain standing. And another reason, hunger. Scripture also refers in the Lord's Prayer to our daily bread. My question to you is, are you getting it? And oftentimes, one of our biggest reasons for why we don't make time to move closer to the shepherds, to the shepherd by moving closer to his words is this phrase, I don't have the time. I became intrigued by that. And, and so I wanted to see specifically as we looked over this past season, uh, what, what did that look like for us when it comes to our time of quarantine? And the, the Barna Group did a research study on Bible engagement in America. And what they found was that in January of 2020, Google searches were at a 15 year high 
of people trying to find reading plans, of people looking at verses. People were, were motivated, right? They were on fire. They were looking for this growth. They were ready to pursue it. And then what happened? We got all the time in the world. You know what happened from January, tw- January 2020 to June 2020? They found that in January 2020, 27.8% of Americans would say that they were Bible engaged, which is four to five days a week at least. 27.8% in January 2020. You know what happened in June 2020? It went down to 22.6%. You may think that's a small fraction, a small number. That's 13.1 million people who would say that they were no longer engaged in the Bible. Is it really about not having the time? Or is it more so about what we're using the time on? So my charge and my challenge to us and to myself, make the time. Make the time to move closer to the shepherd. Set the alarm. Have a plan. But make the time specifically to move. Closeness to the shepherd. And then the second and the last area that I would want us to look at is a closeness to the flock. Are you connected in community? We see in verse three, it says, he restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness. You wanna know one of the biggest ways he leads us in paths of righteousness? Through his people and with his people. Yes, absolutely, there's the individual, there's the personal connection to the shepherd, but also sheep are moving in a flock and there is purpose behind that. When a sheep is alone, that sheep is officially in danger. When we are alone, We are officially in danger. And yes, there is a difference between solitude and isolation. Moments of pursuing solitude, that's what Jesus actually would do before he would go to the cross. He would spend time of solitude with the Father. But isolation, on the other hand, is an elongated period where you are completely comfortable and content with being alone and you have never been in a more dangerous spot. We were created to do life with people. We were not created to walk alone. So my question to you is, are you doing life with people? Because there are very clear, tangible ways for you to be able to do that. And here's what I'll say, when it comes to community, I used to have the complete wrong idea (laughs) of what that meant. Before coming to Faith Bridge in, in uh, 2017, I worked uh, full-time at Pine Cove Camps. And my first summer working at camp, when I was a freshman in college, I kept talking about how I couldn't wait for uh, spending time in community. And that time, I, without even realizing it, I was thinking that community was a bunch of people who thought the same way I did, <laughs> a bunch of people who had the same interests, who we got along on everything, Was I wrong? 
who talked like me, who looked like me, every bit of it. And I remember going to camp and I didn't have this experience growing up where during the summer I would just go to camp for a week, right? The only thing I had to go off of was the parent trap and not even the original one, the Lindsay Lohan one. That's what I had to work with. And I remember driving up to Pine Cove and if you know anything about Pine Cove, I'm driving up this hill and there all of a sudden are just staff of college students lining the road and they're jumping and cheering and celebrating for my 2000 Chevy Prism to roll through. (laughs) Worst of all, their shirts tucked into their shorts. (laughs) Terrifying. (laughs) But as I'm driving in, it's too late to turn back at this point, there's already cars behind me. As I'm driving in, all of a sudden, someone opens my door and then gets in my car. And again, if you don't know this about Pine Cove, they have what's called camp names, right? So the counselors have these crazy, silly names that, you know, that they get to receive and it's a fun way to connect with students. It's awesome. I didn't know that, had never been. So this sweaty guy who's shorter than me gets in my car and says, I'm tuba. I was like, I don't care, get out. You don't just get another man's Chevy Prism, you psycho. And then he just still doesn't get the hint. He's just like, I'm so pumped for you to be here this summer. I'm so glad. It's gonna be the best summer of your life. I was like, dude, Flubber or whatever your name was, I'm gonna hit you. I'm gonna hit you if you don't get out. And sure enough, he, he tells me to drive on and for whatever reason I did, I just, I just kept going straight into the woods with Booba. We're going into the woods. And he is leading me to my cabin, which ends up being kind of like a shed with a roof. And, uh, and he's like, here you go. I was like, is, what is this? He's like, this is where you're staying this summer. I was like, is it behind the shed? And he's like, no, silly goose, it is the shed. Have a good summer. And I get out and then I get my trunk, I walk in, I open the door, 15 dudes. <laughs> and here's the thing couldn't have been more different from one another right off the bat. A guy is putting Star Wars bed sheets on his bunk bed. I know that there's some dads in here who have those. I'm not hating, it was just different. Uh, The starting small forward for the Auburn basketball team walks across. And I'm just like, what is this hodgepodge of people, and sure enough, down the road, there's another cabin with 15 girls, the same thing. Could it be more different from one another? And collectively, could not be more different than one another. It was the most, it was the most memorable and transformational summer of my entire life. Why? It wasn't because of all the fun we had, and we had fun. There was such growth attached to it because it was this this collective group, this collective flock of people who were wired differently, who thought differently, who had different strengths, who looked differently, who spoke differently, and we were all on the same path of righteousness following the same shepherd. And through that, the Lord did incredible things that summer in my life personally and in others as well. But the question becomes for us, are you doing life with people? Because there is 
power in a sheep that moves with the flock, there is danger waiting for the sheep that doesn't. And for those of you here this morning, you wanna know the hardest part about getting plugged in, whether it's for the first time or getting plugged in again after a very long season, walking through the door. You did that. Do not leave this morning without being rooted in community, without taking steps to do that. A very clear, tangible way. Yes, we've been talking about the ministry fair. Yes, you may not have been able to attend or you may have decided, no, I'm, I'm good. You have the ability to get plugged in. You have the ability to get plugged in in different areas, to walk with people, to serve alongside those people, to plug in, to be a part of what's happening. And you're, you're hearing from somebody who had the, the, the complete wrong idea of what community is and who has seen it at its fullest. I will never do life again without people next to me. But here's the deal. If I'm not careful, I can make myself a liar. Let us be a flock who genuinely walks through life together. And if that's something that you're looking for, I pray that you find it here and I pray that you would take that step to do so. We have great men's and women's ministries who do incredible things. We have grow classes. What's happening here is incredible. Just do life with people. Connect to the flock. And if you found yourself apart from it for quite some time, it is not too late. It is never too late to rattle and to throw off the cage of spiritual complacency. But you have to make the steps to do so. Closeness to the shepherd, closeness to the flock. And the last thing I'll say to you is this, something that helped me so much in this past season. It, it, oddly enough, I saw so much growth in myself over this past season in an area for me. For the longest time, I had always been wanting to kind of get my health in check. It had gotten way out of hand. And I had been, for that whole year, had been making steps toward pursuing health more. And through that, and then coupled with quarantine, I was able to shed 45 pounds. And you may be thinking, and some of you have said it, like, Tyler, you didn't need to lose 45 pounds. Okay, here's the deal. I was aware, all right? I was five foot eight, I was 216 pounds. I looked like a crossbreed between a butternut squash and a thumb. I was aware, okay? That's why I did it, all right? But I tried so many times before, and this time, for whatever reason, it, I got hooked on it. Why? Because of this phrase. I'm telling you right now, this phrase right here is what did it for me. Movement creates motivation, not the other way around. We often think that we have to sit and wait for motivation to happen before we move. What's the problem with that? You're not always gonna feel motivated, especially when it comes to spiritual complacency. There are times, I'm telling you this, there are times where I do not wanna set an alarm and I do not wanna open my word. I don't wanna read my Bible sometimes. Making the choice to move despite the lack of motivation is a key to rattling the cage of spiritual complacency and throwing it off. 
because what happens is through your movement, you're motivated by what comes out of it. And if you do want motivation, if you are looking for motivation, look right here, look right there. Over 200 students this summer who are going out between this service, between last service and some who weren't able to attend and are attending online. Over 200 students who are saying, I'm going to go. By the way, these are the same students who all of a sudden their school was over, who didn't even get to say goodbye to some of their friends who graduated, whose sports seasons ended. This season, this past season was hard on us. I got a front row seat to seeing how hard it was for students. And look where they're at. They're about to go. They're making the choice to move. And I know that the Lord is gonna do incredible things through them. And we're gonna pray over them in this moment um, before we commission them and before we uh, send them out this summer. We're gonna pray over them as a church, but let me pray for us uh, before we do that. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who has given us life. I pray that we do not forget that you are our shepherd. You do protect us. You do care for us. You do provide for us. But God, you have given us life through the gospel. And it can be so easy to follow the enemy's uh, leanings and, 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 and trying to get us to be in a place of where we're living like we're dead still. So God, I pray for us that we would make the choice to move. We would make the choice to live by moving closer to you as our shepherd, by moving closer to people, I pray that we would not leave today without taking that step. But God, you're good. And as we pray for these students this morning, we see that again very tangibly, but we pray all this in your name, amen.